Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. So Stephen, this week you've been working more on the FX Dev Board Enclosure, right? Yeah, getting closer and closer to uh, our, our goal of uh, launching the uh, um, crowdfunding. So uh, I've been working a bit on the enclosure and getting the PC board um, just ironed out. We've, we're on the second revision of the PC board and I think just some minor silkscreen and, and some whole movement uh, here and there just to get the PC board up and running. Okay. Yeah, the uh, mounting board, uh, mounting tabs and stuff. Changing. Yeah, up. yeah. Just, simple stuff that doesn't have an impact on the uh, on the actual operation. It's just it makes more sense to move some holes around for the enclosure that we're doing. Yeah, yeah. And you were uh, also working on the uh, on your an updated version of your. Uh diode clamp op amp right yeah 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 um so the first version i made was actually just a single supply op amp uh so you only have one op amp similar to like a tl071 version um but i always initially intended to make a dual supply or i shouldn't say supply a dual op amp uh version uh so i actually designed two separate boards one of them each containing an op amp and i'm gonna stack them um, and and solder them together in a vertical configuration, so Did, that I can have both op amps. Are you using like longer headers or something to make that work? Yeah, that's that's kind of the plan right now. Uh, I haven't really figured out the the, <laughs> the legs yet. I'm I'm initially I'm kind of thinking about thick resistor legs, just sticking them through the holes and soldering them. It's a little ghetto, but it'll. Yeah. The thing is, the the standard um, like the square pin headers they don't fit into uh, IC sockets. No. And the way I want to make this is uh, this op amp is such that you can just pop out uh, whatever uh, 8-pin dip chip and put this thing in as a drop-in replacement. So i got to figure out the uh, the leg situation. Yeah, eventually you're going to have a skyscraper of PCBs. <laughs> yeah, 15, 20 high. Yeah, 15, 20 high that are all just like, you know, like that's how you would do your five 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 timer, discrete five five timer that fits in a dip eight package. It's you're right. It, it's it's a point four by point four inch uh, chip, but it's five inches tall. Yeah, five inches tall. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been working on the uh, super simple power supply. Yep. The uh, I got the front panel test board done, and I explained it a bit last week what that is, but I'll explain it again. It's basically just testing all the physical footprints and new chips that I haven't used before. Uh, basically in a lower cost version than running the giant four layer front panel board. Yeah. yeah. That board's going to, you know, just the PCB alone is going to cost, you know, probably 200 bucks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, basically make a small scale version that's cheaper. So uh, what's what's on this test board? So it's got the VFD display. It's got all the 16-segment guys. It's got those 16-bit uh, PWM controllers for LEDs, constant current drivers, yeah. made by ST. I can't remember the part number. Um, it's got an it's got the RGB encoder. It's got a parallax propeller on it for that's 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 what we're using for the uh, controller for the system, mm -hmm. and. All the pins I'm not using are broken out, and so eventually we'll be able to interface this with the op amp uh, in like kind of a low-level scale test to sure. see, oh, yeah, this actually does work kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's that's pretty much it on that. Base, and 
mainly using to making sure that the uh, the LED placements are good because they're stacked right next to each other. And if you're off by a little bit, it's going to be, you know, not the LEDs won't be flat. Well, and, and last week you were talking about um, having spacers to set the height of everything. Uh, have, uh, having that uh, having the actual board in front of you a visual being able to touch it that I'm sure that'll help a lot yeah making those I have um, I have the one made for the uh, 16 segments designed mm-hmm. and so I just got to design the rest of them and I'm just going to print them on my home printer oh okay okay yeah. you, you eventually going to have that manufactured or just do it all I'll probably just print them all in, in on my house printer. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we're making a lot of these. Yeah, and it's not like we we have to do anything uh, super precise or anything like that. I mean, it's just a flat piece of plastic with holes in it. Sure, and, and it doesn't have to look pretty either. So you said there were some new chips that uh, you were dealing with. Yeah, the those ST uh, constant current drivers, and so they basically work like shift registers. You you clock in uh, into the data and then you latch it when you're done. Okay, and they just—they're just cascaded down. So data in, and then there's a data out. But they're designed for driving LEDs. Yeah, and I have them set. I have them all set to 20 milliamps of current, which is what all of them use. But you said it's PWM, right? Yeah. Wait. No, I'm going to be PWMing the control the controllers. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. So the parallax propeller is going to be basically hammering them as fast as it could yeah or as fast as it can so i can do dimming with these constant current drivers i got you okay um that should work we'll hope i I, I, the big thing is if i can if i can hammer that that clock rate fast enough to actually make that work without flickering Uh, how fast do you think you need to go i don't know yet yeah we'll figure it out yeah figure it out when we actually start programming it uh and then then a little update on the USB Type C stuff I've been working on. Um, I got those uh, evaluation boards, the TPS uh, 6598 EVMs, mm-hmm. TI. I got those in, and I was able to uh, basically power up my phone with them. I was able to power another evaluation board with them with 20 volts. Yeah. And I was actually using my Reload Pro, which is a... Constant current load. Constant, Yeah, constant current load. I was able to pull like 3.2 amps at 20 volts before I overheated my Reload Pro. <laughs> well, that's 60 to 70 watts. Yes, almost 70 watts uh, with just a passive heatsink. <laughs> awesome. So I'm gonna bring my I'm, the, my Reload Pro I have at home actually has a a fan kit on it, so I'm gonna so it can go yeah I think 100 watts or something. Yeah, I can't remember the exact value you can do. I think it actually can do 70 watts continuous. Cool. Yeah, um, playing more with that. I have a uh, USB t- uh, 3.0 like uh, power distribution sniffer, so it actually can read the packets it sends to do the initialization uh, for the power. Oh, where it asks to draw yeah. certain amount of juice. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play with that and basically see how configuring that uh, TPS 6598.2 chip changes those packets. And how it requests data. Cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, there's not a lot of documentation about Type C for makers and hobbyists yet, so I'm hoping to change that. Well, and the the chip, the main chip on those uh, TPS boards is 
like a what a ninety something pin BGA. Yeah, it's a nine uh a ninety pin BGA, and they're almost ten bucks in singles. Yeah, it's it's not hacker friendly. No, but they have an evaluation board that makes it hacker friendly. So yeah, right, right. Yeah. Well, but and also Type C is so new that it really hasn't boiled down to really simplistic chips yet. Yeah, there's no like like an FT two thirty X FTDI chip. There's no like UART chips or anything like that. There's basically just kitchen sink chips right. that do everything. Just everything you need. And and I was actually kind of um, actually curious. FTDI doesn't even have USB three chips. Really? They have like some USB 3.0 GPIO chips, which are really weird. What, uh, what is what is, I mean, is that just you talk to it and then you can toggle pins? Yeah. Huh. So I guess if you if you wanted to write you could you could almost toggle the pins as a communication. Yeah, I you think could, that's what it's You could sort of work out your own protocol. Yeah, something like that. But there's no like they don't make a USB 3.0 UART chip yet, which is interesting. You know. Yeah, how long has 3.0 been around? Uh, two years now? Yeah. Oh, I'm surprised. Yeah, I think it's mainly because you don't need that kind of speed for 2.0. I guess, yeah. And I think there is a USB 2.0 uh, like specification for Type-C. But I haven't seen a chip that handles that, um, that so handles wait, all, the flipping all- yet. I thought all Type C's were going to be 3.0. No, so Type C is just the connector. Oh, okay. Because you can have U, uh, USB 3.0 over Type A. Yeah. Uh, but Type C is can be is also backwards compatible. Interesting. Yeah, we learn something new every day. Yeah, it's it's a uh, there's a lot of cross information about Type C and USB 3.0, but uh, basically you know shift, sifting through the data. And information yeah and and i was actually uh uh interested on those chips i thought the they were having it such that all the power ran through the chip and apparently that's not the case no they, it just has external control lines that turns on mosfets to dump the power yeah the, the these evaluation boards have two giant mosfets on them yeah uh to basically pass, you know, you got past five amps of power, so. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a really boiled down chip in the future that has all of that and the MOSFETs in it. Oh, rolled in? It'd be like a giant moto controller. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm still waiting to hear back from TI, because one of the things they mentioned in their documentation for the configuration utility for these chips, so basically you can talk to the chip and you can change how it, uh, you basically can change the program on them. And to do that, they have this really nice Windows utility. But you have to talk to the chip through uh, I2C and Spy. Mm-hmm. And so they they tell you to get the, I think it's like Aardvark, like Spy Controller, whatever, uh, programmer. But the thing is like $300. Of course. And I'm like, that's not really maker hacker friendly you know especially when the evaluation board's only 30 bucks it's 10 times so the cost 10 times the to cost. program it yeah 10 times the cost so it's not really friendly in that nature but they mentioned this thing in their documentation called usb 2 the numerical 2 mini board okay and there's when you search texas instruments website for this this thing the only thing way it's referenced is in this data sheet and one thing on their form 
and basically you have to contact TI to get it. Okay, that's that's odd. Yeah, it's really odd. And the I so I did this, and they give you this weird email address to to send a request to. <laughs> and so I sent the request out today. We'll see if I hear back from them. It sounds like some kind of D and D quest where you have to go and gather the the secret email address <laughs> and then speak to the magic guy. And... Lay out ten bypass capacitors and come back to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just just random tasks. Yeah, random tasks. <laughs> So they uh, had to jump through three hoops so far to to hopefully get one of these USB to mini boards. So wait, okay, so you buy this eval board that costs thirty bucks and it's it's pre programmed. It has yeah, it's it has pre-programmed something on and it's it. got jumpers on it. Yeah. Right, but but what it comes with unless you have this either this three hundred dollar program programmer that is readily available or this mystical thing that you have to go searching for, yes. questing for. Questing for. Uh if you don't have the either one of those, you're just stuck with whatever config it has. From from the get go, yeah, and you won't be able to use it in a design because you won't be able to program it in your design. Oh. And so if you use it in like a a product you're you're making. Wow. Yeah, so we'll see if I, I get one. Um I suspect that the board is gonna have because it's it's it uses the FTDI drivers. Yeah. This board. I was able to figure that out. Um because when you install the utility, it installs FTDI drivers. Oh, yeah. You can just see it pop up. Yeah, it, it pops up and says installing FTDI drivers. I'm like, okay, so it's using that. So I searched FTDI site, and they have a USB to I square C chip. Mm. It's the uh, FT201X. Okay. I suspect that all this board is is a fancy breakout board for that that plugs into the this eval board. That that would not surprise me at all. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm gonna see. You know, I'm gonna get the legit board because I had no idea what it is. There's no documentation on on Texas Instruments website about it. Um, I wonder why they were they doing this. I think all this stuff is so new that because the documentation for this eval board is all over the place too. Yeah, and that's how it is on every like Cypress's site on. Everyone that's making these USB 3.0 chips, Type C stuff, it's all over the place on documentation. Like it's half marketing, half like BS, half actual data. I think it's three halves. But but, but wouldn't you think that TI would be the one who's like, or or just pick anyone who cares? Uh, but but somebody being the guy who's like, here's Type C demystified, and here's all the stuff you need. Not yet. Not yet. They right. do, they do have the best eval board because it's inexpensive and you can buy it at, at Mauser. And and it it can actually handle the the total power. Yeah, total power. It, it actually has a twenty volt five amp setting. Because some of the other eval boards are like, uh uh-uh. uh. And we no. ain't giving you and that. Speaking of that, it's hard to find a cable that can handle that. Because most are like, oh, yeah, we do 100 watts. Not really. It's 20, 20 volts, 3 amps. <laughs> um, so I actually think the ones that I got that are specced at 100 watts can't do that. Is it like 100 watts for a short period of time? Yeah, I guess. Um, but I think they just say 100 watts because that's what the USB spec is. But they're like, not really. It's 3 amps. So... Huh. Yeah, it's hard to find good it's, cables. It's such too. A, it's it's new technology. It's it's on the edge. Yeah. And 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 really it's a specification. Yes. Type type C is a spec. 
And so now the, the chip manufacturers and the cable manufacturers are having to scratch their head on how we're going to actually accomplish it. Yeah, and, uh, and make it affordable. Right. Well, $9 a chip is not really affordable right now. No, but uh, someone will build a cut-down version. TI will probably release a cut-down version that doesn't have the kitchen sink. It's like, this is the chip you use if you're making a a uh, a device, a dongle device. Yeah. This kind of stuff. You know... Like they they do with USB 2.0. I'm gonna put down I'm gonna put down my my opinion here on this. Maxim Maxim IC is probably gonna come out with a chip that's just like you want USB Type C and a hundred watt output. Do this, and that's it. Yeah, I can see them being one of the first people to do that. Cause cause they do that a lot. Do they have any USB 2.0 stuff though? I don't think so. I haven't looked in a long time. Yeah, I think it'd be FTDI that will come out with something i'm sure it's in the works yeah i, I mean that's so. that's kind of their bread and butter yeah well that's the only thing they build pretty much exactly yeah then we came up with this cool idea for uh i think these already exist but we kind of want to design our own is a uh a super fast data logger mm-hmm. for for voltage and amperage like a like a basically a multimeter that's got that you has usb yeah, um, they exist, but I I want to just do the exercise of designing one to see how inexpensive can we build one, um, in like quantity hundred. Well, it's fun too because you get to do the whole high speed digital side of things, and then you have to build all an analog front end. It's 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 a good exercise, and it, it, you know it deals with you have to isolate it right on your computer because you don't want to blow your computer up in case you. You know, dump fifty volts on the on the poor thing, right? Or or if the chassis freaks out or anything like that. Yeah. So, I, I was hoping like we could hit like fifteen bucks for like if you build a hundred of these, be fifteen bucks in quantity. Um. So I was looking. I probably use like an EFM eight from Silicon Labs. Yeah. Which is a really inexpensive uh, eighty fifty one uh, style microcontroller, but. Not like all eighty fifty ones. These are like really brand new tech stuff, and they're beefy. Their uh, peripherals are insane. What you get with them, yeah. The thing I was going to use is the, the laser B one because they have laser B, sleepy B, busy B. I think that's all, and universal yeah. B. Yeah, right, has, right. So the universal B's got built in USB. The busy B's are kind of stock one. They're just generic. Yeah, sleepy B is their super low power. And then laser B is the super fast one. Yeah. And this one does, it's the 75 megahertz uh, 8051 core. Wow. And it's got a blazing fast one megabit sampling on their 12-bit ADC. I really hope we start seeing more projects pop up with these things. Yeah. Because uh, we were looking at pricing earlier for the laser B. The laser B I'm talking about, 75, uh, 75 cents in quantity. But, but even in singles, it was only a dollar. Yeah, only a dollar. That is cheap. Really cheap. And, uh, so yeah. And so you came up with a name for it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, we were, the idea I came up with was the, uh, data acquisition dongle or dad. Yeah, the dad. Because dad is always watching. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see what we do with this project. Um, Main goal is to make it as inexpensive as possible, which is the exact opposite of the super simple power supply. Yeah, but still make it make it usable. Usable, yeah. 
make it make it worthwhile. It does only do voltage and current, but sometimes, you know, voltage and current at 500 kilosamples a second uh, for 15 bucks, that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, well, one mega. Okay, yeah. One well, mega sample. Sure, yeah. One, one mega sample. Nyquist that down. Oh, yeah, Dude, yeah. I, I said it wrong. Five, so 500K yeah. input. That's that's pretty awesome for 15 bucks. Yeah, that way you don't miss, uh, you know, transient event, events and stuff like that. That's actually what I got the idea from. I'm like, I really wish, because I was actually testing my um, prop dev stick bit flicker. And I had it plugged into the front USB ports, and I had this this USB power meter plugged in. Mm-hmm. And you can see that the USB uh, on the on the front panel was basically really badly designed, I guess, because the voltage just tanks. But you yeah, can, we were seeing like four point five volts. Yeah, four point five to four point six volts being like the low. Yeah. But sometimes you wouldn't. In which, which, by the way, is the LDO voltage for the regulator. Right. So it kicks out. So. It, so it, it it bails out and resets the uh, browns out the the microcontroller. Uh, and so I was like, what I really want to see is how long that pings for, and uh, and when it happens, like have a timestamp. Yeah. But uh, I don't have anything to record it. I can I can probably stick it on our scope and then and measure that, like set it set a trigger event for like four point seven volts. Yeah. And, 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 you know, snag that, but it'd just be nice just to be able to plug it into your computer and just copy-paste serial data. Yeah, plug it into Dad. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll probably work on that. Probably build up a bill of materials first before you even design it. See if, if 15 bucks is reasonable. Well, the 15 bucks includes PCB and labor, too. Yes. So. But if you hit a $10 bill of material bomb... Yeah, you know, you'll hit you hit that fifteen dollar mark pretty easy. Yeah, right, right. Three D print the case, that kind of stuff. Make it real cheap. Yeah, actually, I think the most expensive parts are going to be the banana jacks on it. I was looking at those and they were like almost two dollars a piece. I'm like, well, six bucks in connectors. <laughs> so you, get, you have four dollars left for actual active components. Yeah, well, you're gonna have to have a USB connector. You're gonna have to have USB communication, and then the laser B. That's four dollars. Yep, there we go. There we go. That actually's yeah, plus passives and stuff because the laser bee's got it built in uh, oscillator and stuff. Yeah, uh, it might be possible. It, it maybe. Yeah. And we'll just go right into the RFO section. Sounds good. Um, this week was actually a little light on news, so we only have uh, two things on this list this week. Yeah, but they're fun. Yeah, they're fun. Um. So I was searching uh, a Mauser for... Oh, what was I searching for? Some kind of LED driver? Yeah, I think it was an LED driver. And I, this popped up from... Uh, I think it was Fairchild. Yeah, Fairchild Semiconductor makes this chip called the FAN Fan 5646. And they bill it as... The Fan 5646 is a flexible and compact solution for blinking or breathing LED indicator. Okay. What is So this is like a five-pin IC. Okay. Like a SOT? Like a SOT 23.5 or something like that. Um, That blinks an LED for $16. What? Yeah. A single LED? A single LED. It doesn't do like a matrix of LEDs? Nope. One LED. 
All it does is a soft blink. And it is... So it has a ramp-on, ramp-off blink. $16. $16 in singles. Which um, you could do with a... You could design an entire board with multiple micros and a bunch of LEDs blinking for $16. Yeah, for $16. You can use a... Was it forty cent AT tiny to do this? Yeah, or a five 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 timer and a resistor cap. Yeah, resistor cap for that would be like three cents. <laughs> wow, sixteen dollars. <laughs> this thing better cure world uh, hunger. Well, apparently it's got some kind of communication to it. Um, so I think it's more for like watchdog type applications. How? So, like, you're, it's an indicator to make sure your system's still working. And so you communicate to it and say, hey, I'm still working, I'm still working, because it's got, like, tiny wire technology, one-wire communication to it. Sure. And so you can, I think you just got to talk to it every so often, and it stays glowing. Can you can you adjust like re- the rate at which it glows? Wait, don't, I didn't dig that far into that. Okay. So, but, but, but still, I mean, okay, great. If you want to have a watchdog that has communication, put it. Put a, a micro on there for a dollar. Or just use one of your I.O. pins as one. Well, okay, that would work too. <laughs> I w- uh, but, uh, but I guess it would, if you wanted it to sniff your communication bus and see if that goes down. Maybe. I, still, it just it doesn't $16. make sense. $16. Yeah, that's the big thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's really sleek chip. Uh, this is one of the more ridiculous things I've seen. There's got, it has to be a mistake. Yeah, I think it has to be a, a pricing mistake. But uh, like one point six dollars still seems a lot for something like that. Yeah, this thing should be like forty cents. Yeah, exactly. Um, it could. I, I I wonder if Fairchild, someone came to them with this requirement, and they built it for them, and this is just like they just keep making them for some reason, or it's just like leftover run. And they're just trying to get rid of them at an extreme profit? Well, that's how much it costs. Yeah, it maybe. could be some, like, you know, military contractor that is like, we need this chip to do this, Fairchild. And the Fairchild's like, sure, that's 20 bucks a chip. <laughs> <laughs> no questions asked. And then uh, there was a uh, Hackaday article about this uh, Beaglebone on Chip IC. Mm-hmm. Um... It's made by Octavo Systems, which I've never heard of before. Okay. But basically, they, they're taking a uh, the uh, TI die for the uh, ARM chip, and they're putting the RAM on the same die and putting it all in one enclosure, one package. Huh. And they're calling it system on package instead of system on chip. So it's a COP, not COC. What what would make the difference? It's got built-in RAM. Oh, okay. But I mean, that's still sort of not new. Uh, it's kind of, for this kind of stuff, yeah. How much RAM? It's got a, I think 512 megabytes. Oh, okay, okay. It's, it's a got significant, a, lot of RAM. It's a significant got system amount. RAM. Gotcha. I, I I thought it was still like, there's there's 10k of RAM. Oh no in there. no no no! This <laughs> okay, is this great. is quite a bit. You can run uh, Linux on this thing. All just the chip by itself, basically. Just the chip by itself. Well, and a PCB board and power. Right. But <laughs> you just just going to set it on your desk and your screen lights up. Wirelessly transmitting HDMI to your monitor. <laughs> someday. Someday. That's, uh, that's cool. 
I mean, um, I, 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 we're we're moving more towards these credit card style computers and yeah. and smaller, smaller and smaller and more integrated like this, and that uh, that's cool. That's glad to see that they're moving that way. Yeah. So the interesting thing about it is that it's a four hundred ball BGA, which is that's pretty big. It's a twenty by twenty package. Yeah. But it's fifty mil spacing. Hmm. So it's actually, it you know one point two seven millimeters, which is fairly large spacing for a BGA package of that size. Most of the time you get an F BGA, which is only like uh, half a millimeter spacing. And that size of a ball ball array. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I I, I was I was getting confused there because you said fifty mil and for some reason I thought you said 0.5 millimeter, and I was about to say that that is half a millimeter there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, no. 0. 0.5 is huge yeah. for that. Um, and so actually, I bet you with this board, uh, with this chip, you can probably get something working on a four-layer board. And then s- there was actually a link to a uh, what was called the guys calling it the pocket bone. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> that's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, probably not the best naming choice. No, that was a really but poor it's choice. A, basically, a two-inch by one-inch two-layer board that's got this thing on it. What? And then like an SD card and HDMI port. How do you escape a 400-pin VGA on two layers? Well, okay. Here's how you do. You just neglect like 350 of those pins. (laughs) Just do the outside? (laughs) Yeah, just the outside ring. That's that's it. Power ground and then like enough to hook up SD card and and HDMI probably. Well, didn't we say that was all it takes to turn on the computer? Yeah. (laughs) Uh... So he actually has it shared uh, a shared project on Earth Park. Okay, that's cool. pretty cool. Um, yeah. I might actually try and uh, build one of these things. Wow! I think he's got it, and it's all on GitHub, uh, so it's all open source. And I haven't checked what the source file is, but if it's Eagle, I'll probably just download it and uh, tweak it out and throw it up on uh, you know Macrofab and see if I can buy it. Yeah, um, they sell these chips at Digikey. Now these h- chips are not are cheap. Yeah, I was just that's what um, I was curious. I'm, like Pretty fifty sure bucks, hundred bucks. They're about forty to fifty bucks. Okay, yeah, that's. This what, is the yeah. first one in their series. Yeah. So I think they're going to make another version uh, of this chip that uh, has more RAM on it and that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, and the part number for those wondering is uh, OSD three three five eight dash five twelve M, which is the memory dash BAS. Do they offer different memory sizes? Their data sheet alludes to it. I don't think yet. Not yet. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they'll probably you know have like a, a one uh one gig one gigabyte yeah. version and uh yeah and it's it's it actually runs at like one gigahertz too. Wow. Um, and that's really cool that you as the designer, if you choose this chip, you don't have to mess around with different memory tracing. timing and yeah. and all that that annoying jazz you have to go through. Just plop. That's kind of cool. So yeah, we're gonna have um. I mean, this thing is, this is a Haas chip. Yeah. Its speed and how much RAM it has. Yeah, it has some grunt behind uh, it. And the fact that basically you can build your own smartphone now. Yeah, why not? With this like, with this guy. Because I bet you you can get it to talk to a cell module pretty easily. How many cores does it have? Uh, I don't know. Whatever the BeagleBone block has. I haven't looked into it enough. Yeah, me neither. Anyways, it's really cool. I like how there's um, how how uh, basically a new company is trying different things and actually making them accessible 
without like signing the NDA and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I would think that the documentation on this is probably volumes of books. Yeah, so I really want to see is how much of the original BeagleBone Black like kernel they can just toss on this thing and it just works. Oh, why wouldn't they be able to toss? Well, they the might have to recompile it. it because it uses different how it's ho how the RAM's hooked up or something like that's different. Oh, well, you can have to change definitions and pins and things like that, but we'll see. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, really cool. Oh, that looks like fun. And uh, unfortunately, that's all the RFO we have. Unless uh, you can come up with something out of your head. Uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a pretty slow news week. So. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess that's going to wrap it up this week. Uh, it's a little shorter on the podcast, but that's okay. No worries. Yeah, so uh, this is the uh, Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We're your host, Parker. And Steven. Later, guys. Take it easy.